0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend, we recognize that we are coming to the end of our liturgical year. Advent begins the new liturgical year. And yet, how appropriate the season. The days are getting darker and shorter. The air is getting colder. The scriptures for this weekend speak to us possibly about the end of the world. Now, some people will say that this is apocalyptic language. Well, don't make that mistake. Apocalypse, the word itself comes from the Greek word apokalopsis, which means to unveil or reveal. Apocalypse has nothing to do with the end of the world. And see, this is what Jesus is getting at in the gospel. The gospel is not about the end of the world. Instead, it's all about Jesus revealing a life that we share with him, what it looks like and what it feels like. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, many of the people in the Old Testament were obsessed with the end of the world and the signs or the times that will lead to it. Great example of this, look at the book of the prophet Daniel. When you read Daniel, you'll say, oh my gosh, he's predicting the end of the world. Well, the same thing holds true during Jesus' time. People then were obsessed with wanting to know when the world was going to end, and what would be the signs that would lead to it. Well, it seems like the gospel plays into this. Now, what we have to do is understand the context in which the gospel is all set in. Jesus and his apostles have just made their way to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is a capital city of all of Israel. It's the greatest city. It's a metropolitan. Now, many of the apostles have never been to Jerusalem before. They've stayed in their hometowns and their small villages all their life. And now they walk through the great streets of Jerusalem in awe. They've never seen so many people, so many marketplaces, all these different things. Well, Jesus makes his way directly to the temple. Now realize also the temple is this great and glorious building. It was built. It took them 40 years to build this building As it says in the gospel, it's bedecked by jewels and votive offerings. It has murals on it. You know, it's covered with flowers and beautiful trees and bushes. It is truly the centerpiece of all of Israel. In fact, you could say it's the monument that gives the Israelites their identity. This would be synonymous for us if we were to go to Rome and stand before St. Peter's Basilica. You know, we would gaze at the beautiful basilica, its beautiful architecture and artwork. And we would say that the basilica, St. Peter's Basilica, is the monument that gives us our identity as Catholics. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now. The apostles are standing before the temple in Jerusalem, their jaws dropping in awe. And what does Jesus do? Basically, he drops a bomb. He says to them, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Well was he implying not only the destruction of the temple, but the destruction of the entire world. And then the disciples ask him, "Teacher, when will this happen, and what sign will be there when all these things are about to happen?" So the apostles want to know. They want to know the signs that will lead up to the end of the world so that they can be prepared. Now, if you read the early church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, St. Cyril, St. Athanasius, Origen, they will all tell you that this gospel has nothing to do with the end of the world, but instead has everything to do with our invitation to share in a life with Jesus Christ, our conversion, and what it looks like and what it feels like. The early church fathers said that when we share a life with Christ, it feels like birth pangs. Now, women who have had children know very well what I'm talking about. It's the pain, the pain of labor that precedes the new life that they bring forth in the birth of their child. Well, this is what the early church fathers saw when we share a life with Jesus Christ. Now, the temple that he's talking about is a temple of his own body. That will be destroyed through his death, but that causes a great deal of pain and suffering for Jesus. And yet, it precedes or is the foreshadowing of something great, and that is sharing a life with Jesus Christ, not just in this world, but in the world to come, an eternal life. But in order for that to happen, the early church fathers would say, we would have to experience birth pains ourselves. We might have to suffer a little bit because the old world, the old lives that we lived in now have to give way to a new life with Christ. The old world or the old lives of what we used to say, what we used to do, how we used to live our lives, they all must give way to now a new way, a new life with Jesus Christ, which may cause birth pains. See, that's why this gospel is not a gospel about the end of the world, as it is a gospel about our own conversion. And see, that's what Jesus is revealing to us. Now with that, go into the gospel. It begins to make more sense. But what we have to do is take it piece by piece because it is so rich in symbolism. The first birth pain is when Jesus says, see that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time has come. Do not follow them. Do you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? If you do, then you have to get rid of all the false messiahs that you have in your life. You know, there's a lot of people in our culture or in this country or in our life that want to tell us how to live our lives. What's the big mistake? Well, we submit our lives to them in the hope of becoming happy. And what happens? We're still miserable. You know, there's so many people out there. Just look at TV, for example. You got your Dr. Phils and Oprah Winfrey. Worse yet, you get our pop culture. You have these musicians or movie stars, you know, that live these self-destructive lives. And yet our culture holds them up as role models for our children. Well, if Christ truly is the Lord of our life, he cannot be one voice amongst many in our life. He cannot be one figure amongst others in our life. No, if Christ truly is the Lord of our life, then we've got to get rid of all those false messiahs that we have in our life. Is it easy? No, it can be hard. Well, that's the first birth pang. Another birth pang, Jesus says, When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first. Before Jesus can reign in our life, the false powers within us must be defeated. Whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, there may be a king or a queen that is ruling over our lives. Something powerful that bosses us around, that tells us how to organize our life. Whether it's convictions or biases or prejudices, these things set the tone for our life. Well, if Christ truly is our king, then those things must all give way to a life with Christ. But we all know the basic principle. No one likes to give up power. Just look at world history. These dictators like Caesar and Napoleon, Stalin, Pol Pot, you know, these were very ruthless men. And when they had power, they would stop at nothing to relinquish it. Well, when Christ comes into our life, the powers that we have in our life will rise up to try and oppose him. So there will be wars inside of us. But as Jesus says, don't be shocked. We will have those inner struggles from time to time. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. A great example of this is turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Paul writes, oh, I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I do what I do not want to. If I do what I do not want to do, it's the evil that resides with inside of me. See, Paul is clearly telling us the war inside of him. Now, granted, Paul was a great disciple, a great apostle, probably one of the greatest of all the apostles, but he was still very proud, very self-righteous and arrogant. And see, that was the war that he's describing inside of him that flared up from time to time. Well, if it did for Paul, it will for us. But don't be afraid, as Christ said. Next, Jesus says there will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues. Well, what does earthquakes really do? They shake something that we considered most stable, the ground, the terra firma. Now it begins to move. What is Jesus really getting at here? He's asking us the question, what is the foundation that we stand on in our life? Is the foundation pleasure, money, esteem, power, the ego? Whatever it is, when Christ comes into our life, he will shake it up. Why? Because Christ wants to be the foundation in our life. You know, that's a common theme throughout Jesus's ministry. He was always inviting people. They could either accept him or reject him. What Jesus is really saying to us, if he isn't the foundation of our life, then something else or someone else is. But what do earthquakes really do? They knock over things, don't they? They crack foundations. Well, when Jesus comes into our life, expect earthquakes, expect our old lives, whatever foundation they stood on, now we're going to crack and give way to a new life with Christ. A great example of this is St. Catherine Drexel. She was born into a very wealthy and prominent family in Philadelphia in the 19th century. The foundation of her life, a life of privilege, esteem, pride, and arrogance. At a very early age, she received an inheritance of around $20 million. In our day and age, it would be probably a half billion dollars. What happened to her? Jesus Christ came into her life and caused an earthquake. And from that earthquake, the foundations that St. Catherine's life was stood upon suddenly cracked and gave way. And now the foundation of her life was Jesus Christ. What did she do with all that money of her inheritance? Gave it away. She established her own religious order to take care of Native Americans and African Americans in the country here in the United States. And so that's another birth pain. One last thing Jesus says, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. Well, when Christ is the foundation in our life, it will cause Internal earthquakes and struggles, but it will also cause external struggles. When we say, either verbally or how we live our lives, that Jesus Christ is the central organizing principle in our life, the powers of this world are not going to be happy. In fact, the powers of this world want our allegiance. We have to understand what we believe in, what we hold as values and virtues as Catholics is countercultural. Not just in today's day and age, but instead throughout American history. I think the height of Catholic persecution in the United States occurred in the 18th and 19th centuries. There you saw Catholic churches burned to the ground, especially in the South. You saw Catholics segregated into slums and ghettos in large cities like Philadelphia, Boston, New York. You see, Catholics, as immigrants, when they came to this country, they were poorly treated. They became victims of prejudice, hatred, and violence simply because of who they were and what they believed as Catholics. You know, there's that great story of Mother Cabrini. Mother Cabrini was born and lived in Italy. She founded her own order as missionaries. There was a moment in which she begged, pleaded with the Pope to go to China. She thought that that was the best place to begin Catholicism and support the Church. Well, the Pope told her he's not going to send her to China. There's a more dire place for her to go. Where did he send her? Here, in the United States. When Mother Cabrini came to the United States, her eyes were wide open to see the plight of the Catholics how they were such poorly treated victims of prejudice and violence, hatred. What did she do first? She gathered them together, and together they persevered through these very difficult times. Then she began the work. She began to establish hospitals so that Catholics could receive proper health care, schools so that the children could be educated. See, that is just another example of a birth pain that we have, that we feel when we unite our life with Jesus Christ. And see, that's what the gospel is all about. It's not about the end of the world. Instead, it's about our faith, our life that we share with Jesus. Is it always going to be easy? No, sometimes it won't be. Sometimes we have to feel those birth pains, as Jesus says in the gospel. But to quote Teddy Roosevelt, he once said, "...nothing in life really worth having ever comes easy." And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.